0: Hello. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. This is Linda Lamp here, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary Ardagna, and we are going to undertake the conversation of Let's Become a Beloved Society. This is Conversations Illuminating Your Path to Wholeness. We welcome your call and participation. Hello, Amber. We have somebody in the audience. Wonderful. Welcome back, Amber. It's always lovely to have you here. For those of you listening after the fact, you can tune in live. These broadcasts are done on Friday mornings. uh, Well, starting in Alaska, it's Friday morning, or Hawaii, it would be 10 a.m. Alaska, it's 11 a.m., and then starting at california it becomes noon and working its way later in the day as you go across the country so uh you can always join us live if you like it's good to see you too and uh uh, you can also visit my websites uh, lindalamp.com and lindalamp.shop if you have questions or would like to know more about uh, what i do uh the One conversation that I, uh, one question that came uh, up that I wanted to start with is uh, how do we become a beloved society? And uh, I think the easiest answer to that question is uh, that we discover divine love within ourselves. For ourselves and others, we have another person that's just joined us live. Hi, Kelly. Uh, Hi, Kelly. (laughs) Welcome to have. have, We're happy to have you here. Um, So we become a beloved society because how through the process of love. And when when we're talking about love, we're talking about the divine love of creation. There are a lot of different kinds of love. And I know when I was uh, introducing the concept of we love up, which is an acronym for eight statements uh, that will would change the world. If everyone were to simply adopt living uh, through those eight statements and you can find those on the website, uh, lindalamp.com, we would change the world immediately. It's the kind of love that is of creation it if you want to call it god if you want to call it universe it doesn't really matter it's the love of source it's how we all came to be here in physical form mary
1: can i add something
0: absolutely
1: so like for me when i when when i started doing energy healing this became really clear for me because reiki so it's like i did data healing and we did this thing that was downloading love like source love that energy and then i was doing reiki and the idea of reiki is that reiki is the life force energy that is in everything and in the course of this i i realized that those things felt identical to me so the life force energy that is in everything felt the same as when I was downloading unconditional love from source, like those feel the same to me. So that's when I really grasped this idea that love is the material, the energy, love is the energy that makes up everything that alives everything like that, um, there's words that express that better, but you know what I mean. That I do. I do feels life in everything. Right. So I just wanted to share that that's when that really became crystallized clearly for me.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that because mm-hmm. I think understanding how we experience uh, that feeling of love is uh, is very important and people will experience different ways and through different processes. So that's a uh, Reiki is certainly definitely one way to do that. And I, I'm glad you shared that with us. Um, so that's, that's the short answer to how are we going to become a beloved society? It's uh, and I believe in the process, using the process of, we love us, which again is the acronym for eight statements. And I, I, um, I don't want to get side railed, so I don't want to go down that path and go all the way into what all that stands for right now. But basically we could all adopt a creed that would get us there very quickly. It's just a matter of choice. And, and understanding, I think. And so, and, and I, I don't think we're there yet. Um, and in fact, uh, I'm going to be uh, releasing a version 2.0 of We Love Us, uh, to, because I believe it came out, I'd have to go back and look <clears throat> what year I released uh, We Love Us or that it came through me uh, and was ready to be presented to the world. But it's incomplete because it's we love us, all of us. And so that's going to be the part two will be the all of us. And it will add some additional statements to help clarify the process of how we would get there. Yeah, it's easier to
1: we love us when we're just us us here in this circle, it's much easier to feel that oneness and that love when you're in the circle of the like-minded people and all. But when you're out there in the world where you have all the people, even the ones we don't agree with, it can be a little more complicated. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly, and harder to achieve. Exactly. And so uh, Amber says becoming a beloved society is very possible if we each clean up our thinking and take responsibility for our actions. And that's beautiful, Amber, because that really is the, the crux of it, isn't it? Um and also
1: it's very, it's very simple. I really think that, you know, that whole that whole thing with Jesus, do unto others as you would have them do unto you it's a pretty good golden rule, you know, Right. like if right. we all did that, if we all treated everybody out there the way we wish to be treated, you know, and so that means when you see the homeless person on the street, how would you want to be treated if that was you, you know, right. when you see whoever that is, the cranky right. guy yelling in your face, even. Right. How would I want to be met if I was that unconscious?
0: Right. So, right. yeah. Right. I mean, it's pretty right. Good
1: it's a good start.
0: It and is a good go start. More
1: from there, you know, and more nuances and things. Yeah. But
0: it's a great start. It's a perfect start. Absolutely. Um, and I'm glad you brought up Jesus, because that's a nice segue into the um, other first question that I wanted to undertake today. So I have done a lot of readings of a Course of Miracles, you can find those on YouTube. I did the, I did a whole year of daily lessons, so we worked all the way through a Course of Miracles daily lessons, and I've gotten I think through chapter 26 in the course materials. Uh, then COVID hit and uh, uh, life just sort of uh, changed for a while. It is my intention to finish up. The readings of the Course of Miracles, um, of a Course of Miracles. Um, hopefully this year we'll get all of that done. So I have at least, uh, I think I met Amber through uh, my work through a Course of Miracles, and I believe there may be somebody else watching today, or at least waiting for this replay, uh, because this question came from uh, a gentleman on YouTube is studying A Course in Miracles. And he says, there's a preacher on YouTube who's saying you can only hear Jesus in the Bible and that the book ACIM, A Course in Miracles is the book of the devil. Can you please help me with this? And then subsequent to that, there was another conversation where there was another video he had found uh, by a woman and I, I don't have her name handy, suggesting that you should throw The Course in Miracles away because it's heresy. And um, so I wanted to, let, let's just, first of all, let's, for the people that are not familiar with what it is, A Course in Miracles also referred to by, um, uh, it's also called ACIM or The Course by some people, is a book that was released in 1976. It's a channeled piece. The channel's name was Helen Shushman, it, that's S-C-H-U-C-M-A-N, Shushman. And I'm I'm reading this from Wikipedia. The underlying premise is that the greatest miracle is the act of simply gaining a full awareness of love's presence in a person's life. And so they don't specify divine love's presence, but that's what it is, right? Because we need to differentiate because a lot of people, when they hear the word love, they immediately think, it depends on where they are in their life, but they're going to think of one of two kinds of loves. They're either going to think of uh, paternal, maternal love, love of a parent, grandparent, uh, love, love of the child, of the mother, all of that, or they're going to think of amorous love intimate love, love that you have exchange with a partner, whether that be a, a partner of the same sex or an opposite sex, doesn't matter. It's that intimate love. Those tend to be the two kinds of love that people think of when you say the word love. And so it's important really to understand that in the work that we're doing here and in the conversations that we're having here, we're speaking of divine love, the presence, of divinity within us, and 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 understanding really that there isn't anything else. Divinity is what created everything that we experience, ourselves and everything else. And so that's that's the framework of love, and that is the framework within which a Course in Miracles is intended to exist. The underlying premise is that the greatest miracle is the act of simply gaining a full awareness of of divinity's love's presence in a person's life. So, now let's go back to these questions. The the preacher who's saying you can only hear Jesus in the Bible and that the book is heresy. And also, that there's a woman suggesting we should throw the book out. Uh, I've had conversations with people that may be watching where I've said, you know, throw the book out. <laughs> that doesn't mean the book doesn't have value, right? The book, in and of itself, has an enormous amount of value to it. The way I like to describe it, however, because it is what we call a channeled material. So it came through Helen. Think, think of it as uh, uh, coming through or, or, or having to go through a river. If you look into a muddy river, it's going to be hard to see the bottom. If you look into a crystal clear river, it's going to be easy to see the bottom. And Helen is somewhere in between. Helen is not necessarily a muddy river, but she is not a crystal clear river either. So there are things that are not clear as they could be and are skewed in ways that they don't they they shouldn't be in a course of miracles. That does not, however, mean there is no value in the course of miracles. First of all, I just right. wanted to say that. You want to add anything to that, Mary?
1: Um, at some point I want to say my piece about A Course in Miracles, but I can wait until you're done if I want. Um, I so mean, go there's, ahead now. There's go ahead definitely now. value in it. So like I came to A Course in Miracles mm-hmm. through a book that was excerpts from A Course in Miracles. I don't know offhand what it was called right now, but it's like, this is a book of all the little gems And there was a lot of value in that book. And then I tried to read the actual A Course in Miracles and it's like, oh my God, you know, digging through a mudslide to find the little diamond at the bottom. So that book I love, and I believe Marianne Williamson was one of the editors of it, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Maybe she wrote the forward or something, but you know, that's where I kind of learned about her connection with that work and um, the real nugget that I got from A Course in Miracles, which relates to what you're saying, that it's about the presence of love. Everything is either love or a cry for love. So it was a way for me to understand the seeming unconscious things that people do and how that could be, how everything could be love if that stuff is there. Oh. That's a cry for love. And the other thing is if you're in a situation and you can't find the love in it, that means that you're the one who's supposed to bring the love. So basically, those are the two nuggets from that course that I got that have revolutionized my life. That said, I have never actually read the big book itself. And I've tried. i listened to you read some of those chapters and I told you at the time, I often fell asleep listening to you read cause you have a lovely voice and I get very comfortable and relaxed and there's so much murk to dig through. So that's how I feel about of course in miracles, but you know would I say, it's of the devil and you should throw it out. I would not say that, but I agree that it's not necessarily the clearest channeled material. Maybe you could get the same thing from the words of Jesus. But, you know, I think a lot of the Bible is just as useless as A Course in Miracles. So go ahead and burn me as a heretic right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you you just got there ahead of me. That's all because I was. I, so uh, I, I want to acknowledge some of the comments that Amber has made. ACM is hard to read for sure. And uh, also, that uh, it, if everything is either love or a call for love, then all there is is love right. exactly, exactly. And uh, I I uh, so I agree. Now one of the things that I was going to say is uh, I think it's fascinating that uh, uh, people don't seem to acknowledge, that the Bible is a compilation of many different rivers, right? Because uh, many, many, many people wrote what is what we call the Bible. Yes. And many people have edited. So one of my beefs as a very young child was this idea that there was a king james bible. What did that mean? Because that's political, right? A king, that's a, a that's a, a form of government. And and yet there's a king james bible. And from very early on all of this bothered me. And it bothered me to the point where I went out and researched and found and i I was i intended to have that handy to reference and i i didn't do it um, but and i I, i'm not going to try and multitask here now and do it but uh, i discovered a copy of a bible the translation is from george lamas i believe and it's from the peshidic what i wanted was i wanted as original a text as I could find. So before too many people got their fingers in it, including kings, right, as editors, those were chapters that were removed.
1: Yeah, that was the thing that I was gonna say. It's a lot of rivers, but also there's the rivers that were thrown out. Right. Mary Magdalene's gospel.
0: Gospel of Thomas. Right. Right. And and understanding ultimately that the reason there are missing chapters in the Bible and the reason that the you can lay out numerous different editions and read some of the same passage and get really different meanings out of those ex, what is supposed to be the exact same passage is because so many people have had their fingers in it. Now, why? Why? you you might ask yourself, you know what other book do we all reference in this you know uh, sacred way? What other book has been so edited and rewritten and altered? And why? And I believe the why is for control. Yeah. I believe the why. The removal of information from the Bible was done specifically to disempower us as a people. It was. Jesus was a
1: radical. And the Bible, as it exists, I mean, that happened with what's his name, Constantine, when he sort of decided to become a Christian
0: in order to control the people. Right, right. So now let's go back to these questions about. The priest and, or the, the guy on YouTube, uh, you know, saying that you can only hear Jesus through the Bible. And then the lady <laughs> saying, you know, to throw, throw the book out, it's heresy. Anyone who is so sure that they know exactly what the truth is and that you should throw any book out. Is, has really sort of uh, lost their way in, in the process of life because these things are are just tools. All of these things are ultimately just tools. And when you are at the level of tools, you are, uh, so let's go back for a second and kind of reference what we talked about earlier. Uh, we talked about not today, but uh, last week, we talked about new paradigm, old paradigm, new paradigm. So in the old paradigm, we use these tools. We use the Bible, we used A Course in Miracles, we used Ad- the Ad- Gita. I mean, there's all kinds of tools that are out there, correct? But when we move into the new paradigm those are reference materials, but they no longer are tools. We don't need them because we're moving old paradigm separation, new paradigm unity. So the way ultimately, like we started, ultimately the way we become a beloved society is we invoke the divine love within us which then will connect us to everything and everyone else. We don't need to go through a tool. Ultimately, we don't need to go through Jesus. Although what I will say from my own personal experience is that Jesus resides within all of us. Jesus is available to anyone whose heart is open enough to allow him in.
1: Yeah, one way I've heard that explained is that Christ is a consciousness, not a. Per, it's not about a specific person. It's a consciousness that we can all tap into. You know, the the consciousness that Jesus, the person, had of his divinity. You know, I mean that thing where Jesus said he was the son of God and in religion it's been twisted so that he's the son of God and I'm not, you know, we're not. That's, I don't believe that's what Jesus meant. I believe Jesus meant, you know, I'm the son of God and you're all, we're all the children of God. We're all part of that beloved family. And I believe that that's the consciousness he was trying to bring to, you know, his disciples and the world. And if we all felt that and lived that, you know, yeah, there's some people who have control who might be worried. So that's why, you know, I watched a show on PBS a long time ago that was about early Christianity. And that's when I decided that I didn't have to throw off the baby Jesus with the bathwater of religion, you know? And um, he, the books that they chose for the Bible were the books that were designed to focus on Jesus's life rather than his teachings, right? They specifically excluded the books that were more about his teachings, like the Gospel of Thomas. And so, yeah, I don't know, I lost my train, but that's, you know, had something to do with what you were saying, I think. (laughs) Right, 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 right. I don't know uh, if, if you saw that Kelly has posted a question.
0: I I have. I have. Um, but I want to I want to uh finish
1: what you're talking I about. Finish
0: first. this subject before we move on because I yeah. think that that's uh, I I I think that that's a worthy uh conversation to have. Um so you know one of the other things to to clarify too um because I heard someone actually who's been studying um, Christianity and Jesus and, uh, and religion for probably 50 years and very recently made the statement. I always thought Jesus came to start a new religion. Mm -hmm. And now I understand that's not what he came to do at all. Right. Right. And, And, and that's, that's really fundamental. I think a lot of people have become confused and lost jesus came because we are lost through the pro and i'm i'm going to explain this the way i believe it happened through the insight that i have and what i've been given is that very early on you know uh adam eve not long after that maybe right with adam and eve that's where i think it happened is right with adam and eve There was an unintended consequence of creation. It was a necessary thing. Gravity is a necessary thing in our world to keep things on the planet because otherwise we're hurtling through space and nothing would stay put. So we created gravity in order to have this planet where we could create these things and watch them move around and experience them moving around and be moving around with them. And so very early on, I believe with the original humans that were formed, a forgetting happened, a forgetting of our divinity, of our divine form, of the divine love that created us, and of our divine purpose. And we've gone on in physical form to replicate and replicate and replicate and, and at some point, Jesus came along to try and tell everybody, hey, you guys, you're you sort of a uh, little off here. Uh-huh. You could do, look at what I can do. I can do it because I remember, I know, and I can show you, you could do this too. You just have to remember as well. Right. That's really the brunt of it. We and lost
1: the script.
0: Right. You're all off script. You've all walked out of the theater. You're wandering around doing this other play that isn't isn't the divine play. It isn't what we came here to do. Right. Which was to experience heaven on earth. That's what we're here to do. And instead, it's one war after another, pretty much. So uh, so Jesus comes along to try and clue us in that we're off script. And what happens? People can't handle it. They kill him. And then they create a religion around him, (laughs) which was never his intention. That wasn't what he wanted. It wasn't the point. And here we are. Here we are now. So, Anybody who's saying, throw this out, throw that out, you, you, you're you're in the, the third dimension in the old paradigm, messing around with tools and um, tools that might serve you, but tools that also won't serve you. Thinking that the tools are the point. Exactly. When the
1: tools are signposts, like that's what it says, like in the Tao Te Ching, you know, right. the Tao that can be told is not the Tao. Right. Like the words are not the truth.
0: They're exactly. signposts to the truth. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So uh I I don't know if that completely answers uh the questions about a course in miracles. Um well let's here's the other thing. Um the let's talk about the devil for a minute. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um, because well both of the both of the uh personalities that are suggesting that you should you know not not pay any attention to the Course of Miracles because it's you know it's been influenced or it's the devil or whatever. The devil's um, work. Well, yeah, the devil's work. Yes. Again, old paradigm. There isn't a devil. There isn't. That concept is a concept created in order to control people. Everything that exists, whether you uh, whether you like it or not, whether it's in your world or not, is made of the same stuff, came from the same place, and that is divine love. Yep. That is the only thing that has creative power and it is ultimately the only thing that exists. I'm going to mute and cough. Okay. I'm back. Amber says there is no devil. Exactly. Exactly. There is no devil. And so Um, in both circumstances, you know, uh, in the video, I was given the link to the video of the lady that was saying that, you know, throw the book away. And, uh, I think within 33 seconds, she had used the term, the devil, at which point I just, because of what I was in the middle of, I just stopped. I did go back and, and listen to the whole thing later. It was about 15 minutes long, but initially, uh, the minute anyone says anything about the devil, um, you've lost me because uh, me that's a fantasy, right? The, if you're if you're living in a world where you you believe a devil exists, you've really been misled, and and um, I I encourage you to uh, uh, broaden your view. Let's see. Okay. So Amber's saying the ACIM says the devil is the same as the ego and that is fear and fear isn't real. Um, well, fear is real. The, the experience of fear is absolutely real. There there's, I, I, I can't, I, I can't dispute that. Um, whether we need to be fearful is really the question right so i'm i'm someone who would say i'm not afraid of anything and the reason i can say that is because i am fully aware that everything that is happening is of divine nature and so i may not understand it i may not like it but that doesn't mean that there's anything inherently wrong with it right or uh, or yeah, there there may be yeah. the appearance. they may be the appearance of things being wrong and even the appearance of things being inappropriate. but it's truly it, it the key is where do you put your focus, right? are you are you internally focused or are you externally focused, Mary?
1: Fear is the housing's reaction right. to a feeling of being threatened. Yes, it's the ego. The ego's job is to keep the housing alive, right? So fear is what happens when the ego feels mm-hmm. the housing is threatened. Right. So it that's absolutely real as a physical reaction in the animal body. But what's, what's not real is the threat, like the perceived threat, the ego perceives the threat to the physical body and right. thinks that means death. What's not real is that death can happen to the spirit because right. the spirit is eternal. Right. And when the physical body ends, that doesn't mean that we are ended. And right. also, as Linda has said, the physical body um everything is perfect and like even the time of our death you have said someone says we choose that like it's all perfect as it unfolds so like my body might feel threatened my ego might feel like ah i have to take care of the body but even if that truck does hit me and smash me like a bug that's because it was my time to be smashed like a bug and be done with this physical body. And and then the energy that is alivening, I don't know why I can't think of animating these words today, that energy is eternal. You know, right. I right. won't say the energy of Mary because Mary is one incarnation of right. that energy, but the right. energy that is animating this version of me. Right that energy is eternal so that's why ultimately fear is not necessary but the actual physical response of fear is not an illusion that's very real
0: right 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 animal bodies right and that's uh something amber put in here yes feel fear feels real but isn't it an illusion and uh mary you did a great job i think i'll just try and uh add a little to it so uh, <clears throat> there is nothing to be afraid of ever, right under any circumstance for any reason. And um, I think I think a way that we might dig into it a little harder is to look at it from not from the fear side, but look at it from what is happiness. <clears throat> Most people uh, in, in the world think that happiness is somehow dependent on something external. Um, we, we, we think that when we get a better job, we'll be happier. We think that if we get a better house or uh, if we finally find our soulmate, or uh, we get to move to a different town or country that these things will make us happy. And ultimately the way, and this ties back to actually how we become a beloved society. Ultimately we need to come to the realization that our happiness comes from within. And once we make that shift, then everything else falls into place. But happiness is truly not dependent on anything external. And if you've made your happiness dependent upon those things, then you have rooted yourself in what we call old paradigm.
1: A way I find it useful to think of this, for me, I divide it between happiness and joy. Like happiness is that thing that relies on the external, you know, I'll be happy when I get a new car or a new job, or I was very happy because I won a $150 Amazon gift card yesterday. I mean, seriously, I'm happy about that. Um, (laughs) But joy, like when I close my eyes and go inside and connect to the love and the, You know or like out in nature can be a way like when i connect to the experience of being alive my joy is here inside me and that it's like a it's like a never-ending fountain it's like the love the joy is like the innate joy of being alive that we all have that right and we all have access to that exactly, if we know how to get there. So right. you know, if your happiness is linked to your innate joy of being alive, right. you know, then it's very easy to be happy all the time. And you know, right. I I've said for a long time, happiness is an inside job. It and is. that's That's a good way to understand that.
0: Exactly. Know? Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And that <clears throat> that actually, I think, is a great segue to take us into Kelly Lamb's um, comment, because uh, uh, what what the, the question on the floor is, my issue is not with lo- about loving all, but loving while setting a boundaries and being able to say no. I believe this is my lesson to learn in life right now. Please help. <clears throat> so, life is really intended to be celebrated. And it's interesting, Matt Kahn just did a uh, just did a talk not that long ago, uh, just a few days ago about this exact topic that if we are not each of us individually celebrating, Every moment, then we're off script. Basically, those are my words, uh, and so all of this is about coming into ourselves, our each of us individually, and being finding a way to be cognizant in every moment that this is a wondrous miraculous experience that we're having to to conceptualize the miracle of it to to really wrap your arms around what a gift it is just to be here now and hang on i i need to cough again Thanks. Um, <clears throat> we really are so bogged down in this physical realm. And so few people talk about what we're talking about on a daily basis. It's not what we hear in the news. It's not what you read about in the paper or on the web or you know, anywhere that you're reading things or listening to things. Unless you're seeking out these conversations, you're likely not having them, they're not happening. And yet every single one of us is participating in this co-creation that we call life. And the way we're going to move from old paradigm to new paradigm, is for as many of us as possible to adopt a persistent desire to stay in the miracle of the moment, regardless of what the miracle of the moment is presenting us with. And so... Uh, And and then the other piece of that, that I think uh, applies particularly in in Kelly's case, is is to realize that we need to start here internally. And when we're in a place where we're needing to set boundaries, right, this is called self-care. This is really called self-care. And it's, it's not unlike when you're in the airplane and they say, you know, put your mask on, oxygen mask on before you put somebody else's on. You must come into yourself. We each must come into ourselves and recognize the gift that we have in our creation and existence this was not random. And yes, your parents had something to do with it, but they didn't have everything to do with it. They didn't start it. You and your relationship with the divine started it. People say, oh, you know, we, our parents, cho- we, we chose our parents. They chose us. It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. But before you ever did any choosing, you decided to come. You said yes. We each said yes to being here. And then what happened? We got here and we're like, no, I don't like this. No. (laughs) Mary, you you have something? Yeah, I would like to say something. So like,
1: I think that we are programmed, certainly women, to put everyone else's needs ahead of ours. So learning to say no and set boundaries can be very difficult, you know, especially if you're like trying to be a good little girl when you're younger and now you're a grown woman and you're still trying to be, you know, liked and loved and seen in a positive light. So, you know, what it is, is we have to know that it's okay to put our needs on the same level as other people's needs, possibly even a little higher since self-care put on our mask first before we worry about their mask. You know, our needs, it's like, it's our job to, self-care is our job. It's our job to attend to ourselves, to love ourselves, to treat ourselves with the same care as we would treat, you know, a special little child whom we really love, like maybe little internal Mary and little, little girl Kelly, you know? Um, And it's like, if we are, as we insist we are, this divine, like, divine energy come down here to live itself and live its life then our needs are just as valid as anybody else's right you know you are divine kelly just like i am and you deserve to have your needs met and you deserve to be able to set a boundary with someone like that is your divine right and sometimes in order to say yes to yourself we have to say no to other people. That's what it is, that boundary that we have to set. You know, it's saying no to them, but it's saying yes to ourselves. And we deserve that and we are entitled to that. And that's some serious indoctrination and training that we have to get over. And that's also a lot of what the Jesus story as a religion, it's very like, self-victimizing sort of like Jesus went and got crucified for our sins holy crap you know like if we're supposed to emulate that how are we supposed to say no to someone who wants to walk all over us so that's another element of the control aspect I think of the Jesus story and we don't have to buy into that aspect of it And, you know, we're just, we're all deserving of love and the best possible heaven on earth experience. And, you know, we, we deserve to take care of ourselves. And that means we deserve to be able to set boundaries with people.
0: I hope that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Mary. Uh, Amber shares a couple of comments. Uh, We should be celebrating every moment. Crap will still hit the fan, and who we show up as when that happens is very important. And also, uh, I had to learn to lovingly set boundaries, and it ticked a few of my friends and family off. So be it. I can't help how they're going to respond to me taking care of myself. And this this really touches on one of the very hardest things, right? One of the reasons, like if you ever did any, uh, any, any work in the uh, field of domestic violence, one of the most frustrating things, if you're an advocate for women, is that women will go back to these situations. They'll get out, you'll help them, and somehow they end up going back. And the reason that that happens is that our housing, that we are residing in, is wired for certain things and one of the things that our housing doesn't like is change and often what will happen is our housing will choose for us what is comfortable and what is comfortable what is what is known it might not be comfortable that you're getting slapped or hit or kicked or whatever the abuse may be that isn't where the comfort is The comfort is in knowing that that's what's going to happen. You take yourself out of that situation and try to put yourself into a different situation that you've never been in before, and it can be more frightening than actually putting up with the abuse. And so that's why a lot of times women will go right back into those situations because we are creatures of habit. And we are creatures of comfort. And what's comforting to us is what's familiar, may not be what we like, but it's familiar. And so we can predict it and we know how to deal with it. And we have our defenses all worked out. Yeah. Mary.
1: Also um, to that thing that Amber says about, I can't help how they are going to respond to me taking care of myself. This is really important because so often, I mean, I like to read advice columns sometimes and people want to know how do I break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend without hurting their feelings and the answer is you don't you can't their feelings will be hurt if they care about you and that's life you know it's like sometimes the things we say and do to take care of ourselves not that we're being mean or anything but like you know you might disappoint somebody somebody might be hurt and we have to be okay to not to run around stomping on people and hurting them. You know, I'm very gentle in how I try to say difficult things because I myself am very easily hurt. <laughs> but it's like we can't take responsibility for how everybody responds to us when we are being our truest divine self. We can, you know, be accountable if we hurt someone by accident or whatever, but basically. When you take care of yourself, if people are used to you letting them run roughshod all over you, there is a possibility that they will get upset with you and have a negative reaction. And so we have to be okay with that. That's another part of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, you know, the only way we can grow in life is learning how to be a little bit okay, you know, with being at the edge of our comfortable zone. Right.
0: Right, right. So, and I think this is a good segue to come back to uh, a conversation that we had earlier. A few, um, I'm, I'm not sure which episode it was, uh, but we talked about, I, I brought up the fact that there was a movie uh, and it's a it's a Jim Carrey movie. I, I went back and I did a little research. I believe it's Jim Carrey and uh, the movie was Yes Man. And and in that movie, it suggested, you know, just try just saying yes to whatever shows up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it I think it's interesting because just, I believe, last week, uh, Matt Kahn did a whole segment on... Uh, Saying yay to what shows up, and I I wanted to touch on it because I think, I think I like yay is easier, much easier to say (laughs) than yes, than yes to certain things to to unpleasant things. Um, For example, this morning, and so and in this call, uh, so what I find fascinating is the energy, right? We talked about this. We had this conversation about saying yes with life and now someone else in this same genre and field, much bigger, much bigger following than I have um, is saying is, is having a conversation about the same thing about saying yes and using that as a process to help uh, break down these barriers of the persistent 3D world that yeah. make us think all of this is real. Right. And so, um, so Matt was suggesting that life uh, as we've talked about is meant to be celebrated. And so he even dared his community. He dared everybody in his community to try it for a week. And he suggested that after seventy-two hours, if you were to do it a, a, in a committed way for seventy-two hours, that at the end of that seventy-two hours, all of your judgments would fall away. <laughs> and so, uh, I, I so I wanted to bring that up again uh, because. Uh, for example, this morning, as I'm getting ready to come to the studio and do this podcast, I'd made myself some uh, coffee to bring with me because one thing I've learned the timing of this podcast is that I need to have a little something in my stomach. It doesn't need to be much, and I'm not a big per. I don't. I don't usually eat in the morning, um, and so just a, you know, a little coffee with a little cream in it is is what I needed so I mixed it up and before I left the house I took a big drink out of it and I poured coffee all down my front and <laughs> had to go change my clothes and so um, I said yay, yay I just built coffee on myself yay I have to go change yay I'm going to be a few you minutes later long. than I wanted to be Yay!" <laughs> I can uh, I, I'm not going to tell you what even uh, my experiences right now, I want everybody to, to, if you're willing to just try it, just try it. The next time you, I mean, if you can do it to everything, that's the thing, do it to everything because everything that's showing up is of a divine nature. There isn't anything else. So, Right. So Amber's saying, "I don't know uh, what might have happened if uh, I hadn't spilled the coffee." That's yeah. true. That's true. That delay. So there's also, you know, there is always that that uh, invisible hand moving the pieces on the chessboard, right? Yeah. Because there is sort of a play in place here. And, and there are outcomes, there are desired outcomes on the part of divinity to have an experience because that's the, that's why we're here. Right. Um, I want to add something sure. on the
1: yay subject because a long time ago I saw, it was maybe a TED talk or something, but it was this te- like musical teacher, maybe conductor or something, teaching a master class with a young student. A cellist, maybe, could have been a violinist. I think it was a cello, though. Anyway, so he's teaching this master class with him and there's an audience and the kid makes a mistake and the teacher tells him when you make a mistake, celebrate it. Like, you know, when we make a mistake, our tendency is to sort of slump and oh, darn. But like most of the people in that audience don't know the music well enough to know for sure. If you made a mistake, so when you make a mistake, just go, it's the same thing as the gay. I made a mistake. Like you feel that energy of, yes, I made a mistake. And your whole body language changes and nobody in the audience, unless they're like an expert is going to know you made a mistake. Right. So it's the same concept. And it's been another useful concept I've been having for a while. (laughs) Right,
0: right, right. Well, we've got about two minutes left, folks. And so I just want to, uh, uh, let's see, I want to just respond to Amber exactly. You know, a lot of times uh, I believe in divine timing, right? And so who knows? Uh, I Maybe I needed to be slowed down for a moment. Um, or maybe I just spill coffee. You know, some things are, are not necessarily packed with potent meaning. Uh, or they I, are and we'll never know and and they or they are and we'll never know um and staying in that place of mystery at all times yeah, mystery and and inquiry will lighten up the energy in your life i guarantee you on in, in a moment to moment basis yes um i wanted to go back and um uh, let's see. So and then also Amber says celebrate our mistakes, because that's all it is. And and there's no need to beat yourself up. Absolutely, because you're still divinity in form. And so you were you're still a function of divinity, even if you're making a mistake or or, or doing something, you know, I just I just uh, want to
1: say very emphatically, never any need to beat yourself up over anything ever.
0: Exactly, never,
1: ever, ever.
0: Exactly. And if you
1: indulge in self-negative self-talk on a regular basis. Just cut it out.
0: <laughs> right. Think. What well, Mary and you know what? Does, just go. If you know? catch yourself, go. <laughs> Yay! I'm doing negative self-talk. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Yeah. I'm observing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yay. When I notice right. myself judging, I'm like, "Oh, look, there's Mary judging." You know. Right.
0: Right. Right. Because uh, as Matt suggests. If we do it persistently enough, the ego will break. You will break through that ego subconscious understanding and come. Your ego can learn that you are divinity. You just have to teach it. Yeah. It can come to that realization <laughs> and it can stop running you the way it's running you now. Yeah. You, you just have to work with it. It won't do it on its own though. Yeah. Um, so we're straight up. Uh, Nanette joined us at one point and was saying Hi, was, regarding Mary's comment about breaking up will hurt. Uh, truth, unfortunately, youth today find it nothing to break up via in a text message. That hurts even worse. Um, so she'll she's got some thoughts on this. She'll come another time and and spend more time with us. Sounds good. Um, Remember, you can join us live. You can always call in and you can call into the number 907-351-3003 at any time. You may reach me or you'll reach voicemail. You can text to it as well. If you have a question and want to submit it that way, we'll bring it forward uh, to the next uh, podcast. And uh, uh, Mary, for those of you that aren't on video and can't see, Mary's email is lav mary laughs loud at gmail.com. You can also email your questions into questions at walking through your And that's just quick. Like read Amber's last
1: call comment, which is have faith that everything that is happening is supposed to be happening or it wouldn't be happening. LOL. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Because exactly, because that exactly. is actually what it is now. Yep. I want to just for the trauma community. Yes, that can be hard to hear. And, uh, and, and we understand that. And, and I think that the best way for the trauma community to try and work with this material is to get in touch with your divine source within and once you make that connection, the guidance on how to deal with the trauma that you're experience will come to you. Mary, you have any last thoughts on that? No,
1: because it's too complicated for my brain right now. Right. So what you said, you know, and and yes, we can address that with more nuance if anyone needs us
0: to next time. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have questions about it, don't forget, go ahead and submit them. Please do. Yeah. Linda
1: keeps them all so that we can address them in the future. So,
0: Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll hope to see you either live next time or on the replay. Thank yeah. you. Thank you all
1: for joining much us. Ma- namaste.